Oh my word. Happy Mother's Day. You guys good? You excited? Come on, it's going to be a special day. That song, I'll talk about it more in a second, but man, sometimes you just got to be reminded you're doing a good job. Isn't it amazing how powerful those words can be? Thank you so much, Kayla, again. And I just want to say, just make it, put it out there for everybody. Here at Greenville First, we are celebrating all the ladies today. Guys, you're not off the hook. The message is for everybody, okay? But I got to give them a second, just some shout outs in the room. You know, I think sometimes, I don't know how to put it. There's been times where I'll just, I'll just give a vulnerable example. We've gone through miscarriage, Josh and I. And so I think that sometimes you, you come into Mother's Day and it's that awkward, like, have you ever had someone, you know, you've gone to a church and they're like, all the moms in the room stand. And it's like, oh, well, do I count? Is, you know, it, there's like these weird triggers on Mother's Day. And I want you to know, whether you're joining online or you're here in the room, we're celebrating all women today. Just because you may not biologically mother someone, I want you to know, coming from a blended family, DNA doesn't matter, does it? We mother, there's circles, we may have walked through loss. We're celebrating our strength today. We're celebrating the good job that you do today. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't want anybody to ever leave and say, that day wasn't for me, it doesn't count for me. And so, what do we do to celebrate? We shove sugar <laughs> down our throats. And I don't know if you saw all those Little pink boxes, they're not blue boxes, okay? We can't afford everybody to get Tiffany. But we did pink boxes instead. And so I don't know if you've ever heard of the place called Crumble Cookies. If you've never had a Crumble Cookie, come on, I know, that does kind of deserve an applause. Once you have one, I am so sorry. I am just going to apologize in advance. You may now have a new addiction in your life. Please don't blame that on us. That's on you, okay? We didn't make you bite it. But I will say this, guys, help us out. The ladies are given, they're given permission right here in this moment. You don't got to share that. Nobody in your family has to have a bite of that. <laughs> Boys, guys, help me out. They don't got to go in their closet and eat it today. They don't got to go out and sit in the garage in the car and eat it. Okay? You block. Okay? You're the defense today. They don't have to share that cookie today. But as you leave, we want you to feel special. We got a couple flavors for you. There's a gluten-free option. I know that's important to a lot of us. And so we just wanted to have a special treat for you as you leave. So please, please, please grab one because Lord knows I can't be stuck with 200 cookies, okay? <laughs> Please take them. There's also a photo booth. If you come in the front door, sometimes you might not know this stuff. There's a photo booth in the back. So grab your families. You guys, let's get a picture with the ladies in our life today. So hopping into the message, going back to that song. I heard that song back in the fall, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Those words are just so powerful. And I said it earlier, so simple but so profound. And at the beginning of this year, as I was looking over, what are we going to be doing for different events in 2021? I wrote on my board in my office, you're doing a good job. Not because I wanted to tell myself that every day, but because I didn't want to forget that it was like sealed in my heart that that's what we needed to hear for Mother's Day this year. You're doing a good job. It kind of took me back to being in the classroom. You know that moment where you might get the answer right or you're quiet when everybody else is talking and your teacher says, you're doing a good job. Or maybe for you, it was a parent. Maybe you didn't hear that a lot, but when they said it, it meant a lot. Maybe for you, it's a supervisor. Somebody finally saw the hard work that you're doing and actually said something like, you're doing a good job. Maybe it's your child who noticed all the hard work that you are doing for them. 
you're doing a good job. And I thought today, hmm, that's, that's for us today. But it got me thinking even more. You know, if you, were, if you happened to be with us back in March, we did this series called Not Today, Satan. I kind of have a hard time saying that without attitude. So I'm going to try to stand still. But we did, we did talk about um, all sorts of issues that we struggle with. And one of the ones that we talked about was discouragement and how powerful it can be and how, how much it really can control your life if you're not careful. But even more than that, when I'm reading, you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job, and I'm, I'm focusing on what can I pour in to our church family today? It really made me realize we can live discouraged and we can hope all day long that people see the difference that we're making and all the hard work that we're doing. But I think that when somebody does come up and encourage us, sometimes we have a really hard time receiving it. Well, Britt, what do you mean? What do you mean? Here's what I mean. Have you ever had somebody compliment you and you deflect them? For example, okay, you, it's almost like you argue with them, like, like you don't, you don't want to be too proud to say thank you and like agree with how awesome you are. Think about this for a second. Here's a few examples, okay? You rocked at that presentation. Oh my gosh, I missed like a whole section and totally messed up like four words. We just know, we, what is the deal? We, we like don't ever say thank you, right? What about this one? Oh, I love that top. Oh, this old thing, I've had it forever. Y'all already know that one. Wow, you look great. Thanks, but I have like 20 more pounds to go. You guys see what I'm saying here? Why do we, we have problems. Why do we deflect compliments? Great game. I know, but I missed those two shots. I saw a meme this week on Instagram, and it's, it's this mom, and she's holding her little boy. You can tell she's about to put him to bed. And the bubble above her head says, I could have been a better mom today. And the bubble above the little boy's head says, I have the best mommy in the whole world. But why do we do this to ourselves? It's like we're the toughest critic on the block. And here's the thing. It's not just on us in 2021. This stuff like started back in the Bible days, right? This has been going on through scripture from, from, since the beginning of time. Why do we do this to ourselves? Maybe it's like I said earlier, we want to be humble. Oh, can't, you know, sound arrogant. Maybe it makes you feel uncomfortable. Maybe this thing called encouragement or somebody speaking life into you, maybe you didn't grow up with that being done. It wasn't modeled for you. So now you don't really know how to receive it. But the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest, we like it. Deep down, it feels good. You know why? Because it's life-giving and we need it. So this morning, I know it's Mother's Day, but this is not for just the ladies in the house. I think that we have just many of us, most of us, have this universal struggle with either giving encouragement, receiving encouragement. And some of us, we can receive it and we can say thank you, but our problem is that we don't actually believe it. Giving, receiving, and believing it. So my hope today is that we will explore scripture what God teaches about encouragement, because you guys, you know what? He intentionally has modeled it for us time and time and time again. And so all morning long, whether you like it or not, I'm going to keep saying you're doing a good job. And with a smile on your face, I need you to receive it, but I need you to also believe it. Can we pray together before we hop into the word? 
this morning. Jesus, I just thank you so much. I thank you, God, for the example that you've modeled to us in your word. I thank you, God, every season, every story, and every situation, God, that is in this room today, God. You already know it. You go before us. And, God, that you've set a path that we can walk by. I pray today, God, that you would just feed into our souls, God, that you would show us how to take it from here, God, how to digest it, God, that we could use it practically in our lives, Lord. Change our hearts today. I pray, God, that you would speak, Lord, and that the Holy Spirit would do far more than what I can do standing here with a mic. Show us your word today, God, and then we pray. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be hopping into the book of Judges in chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about this guy just for a second named Gideon. And if you were raised in church, I don't know, Gideon was kind of like, he wasn't very popular, right? I mean, I guess you talked about him here and there. So for some of you in the room, you're like, I don't remember the story. I know the name. Is he like an angel or something? I don't know. That was Gabriel. Wait a minute. What was that? Sometimes Gideon gets forgotten. But in chapter 6, we're going to talk about it. Where we're going to pick up, I'm going to give a little bit of background just for a second. But basically, Gideon is an Israelite. And he, we find him in the story. He's thrashing wheat. And in just a few verses where we pick up, an angel of the Lord is going to appear to him. But here's what you got to know. The Israelites at this time, they had been disobedient. Shocker. They had been disobedient from God. And so God had told them, you're going to live in bondage under the Midianites for the next seven years. Well, that time is about to be up. And the angel of the Lord is going to appear to him. And we're going to pick up in verse 12. It'll be on the screen. It says this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord was with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Okay, second time he's getting a little sassy with God, okay? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? Catch this. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Our first point today is this. God sees you. It's that sometimes we don't see ourselves. We don't see ourselves. God sees even when we cannot see it in ourselves. Did you guys catch what I was talking about with the whole compliment problem? God said to Gideon, mighty warrior. Some translations actually say mighty man of valor when he's greeted by the angel. What did Gideon do? Oh yeah, bro, that's me. No. He went on to explain, mm, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm the weakest. My clan is the weakest. I'm the least in my family. God is speaking into him. God is calling out in him what he sees in him, and he still can't receive it. He still can't receive it. Why do we do this to ourselves? Think about, think about Moses. God calls Moses, and he says, you're going to free my people from Pharaoh, the bondage in Egypt. What does Moses say? Who am I? Mm -mm. 
Do you know me? I can't speak. Here's my list of all the reasons why I am not fit to do that. Hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to a child, and you're going to call him Jesus. No, 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 I'm a virgin. (laughs) God sees in us what we can't see in ourselves. Hear me today. When you doubt the product, you insult the manufacturer. When you doubt the product, you insult the manufacturer. And I think it's fair to say we all go through seasons where we feel inadequate. We all go through seasons where we feel like it's all on our shoulders. Everything's on us. It's up to us to get it all done. But hear me, God didn't call Gideon because he was going to call a dude and leave him. He didn't call Moses because he was going to say, go to Egypt and then peace out. You think he left Mary there to figure it out on her own? No. When God calls us, He's going to stay with us, and he's going to walk with us through it. He didn't call a mighty man of valor to slew a whole nation all alone. And that's, that's where we get it all messed up. God sees in us what we don't see in ourselves. But he never said he was going to leave us to do it all on our own. It's, it's not on us to walk it out and do it out by ourselves. That was never his plan. That was never the intention. That's where we mess it all up. And that time when Moses says, well, what if they say, who sent me? Who sent me out of Egypt? God says, you tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. Do you guys know I am? That means literally, whatever you're not. Whatever you're not. So we see our weaknesses. We see our failures. We see, oh, I can't do this on my own. That's fine. Because God says, go. He already sees what we can do, but he doesn't see what we can do by ourselves. He sees what we can do with him together because he is everything that we're not and exactly what we need to make it through, to do it. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. God sees in us what we cannot see in ourselves, and somebody needs to hear that today. you got to keep going. Yeah, God can use the weak, insignificant, little small Gideon to slew a whole nation. Because he didn't see a weak, insignificant, small Gideon. He saw a mighty man of valor. And you know when Gideon began to see that too? At the end of that chapter, he says, because you got to understand, the angel of the Lord, if if you start studying, it wasn't that he came with his white robe and halo that we all imagine with the wings. To Gideon, he appeared as a person. Research tells us that that's what he saw. So the reason why he was arguing so doubtfully is because he was like, who's this guy? You're tripping, dude. You are tripping. You don't know what you're talking about. Do you know me? And so at the end of the chapter, Gideon actually tests the angel of the Lord. And he says, if you are God himself, and he puts out all sorts of fleeces. And that's when he realized, okay, this is God, and he, see, he doesn't see us insignificant Gideon. He sees a mighty man of valor. And you know what changed in him? When he knew it was God, he had the confidence that he needed to know it wasn't all on his shoulders. And that was the game changer. And that's what I'm speaking to you today. It is not all on your shoulders. you got a Savior who wants to walk with you every step of the way. You're doing a good job, but you can't do it by yourself. Philippians 1, 6 It says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
And you guys, that's what happened. Oh, he brought it to completion. It goes on in Judges to tell us, you have saved us out of the hand of Midian. Gideon did it. Oh, my word, and he did it with, it was an awesome story. You just, I'm not going to even, spoiler alert, I'm not going to tell you. You've got to go finish reading it. But you've got to believe in the voice of the manufacturer. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. See, Gideon, he couldn't see what God saw or receive it because other things were getting in the way. And that's going to lead us to our point two today. If you're taking notes, here it is. God sees you. It's that sometimes our insecurities are loud. Sometimes they're too loud. You guys ever, um, when you were growing up, you go to the pool, tons of pool games, okay? Just dig deep here with me for a second. Did y'all ever, with your friends or your, or your siblings, put on goggles? And it, we, would, we would go under the water, and we would like... It's almost like underwater telephone where you're trying to guess what the person's saying and you go under and you're like, I want peanut butter and jelly for lunch. And you come up and you're like, okay, what'd you say? You're like, no idea. It, it, even, you could even go under and you could scream, I love you. And it was so hard to understand, right? I think sometimes our insecurities get so loud. I think that we're like living underwater. It doesn't really matter who God has put in your place, what small group, what community, what circle of friends that you have, what support system that you have, and he's sent, he's sent them to say, hey, you're doing a good job. We see you. But here's the problem. You're so far under the water, you don't even hear it. It's not that you don't see what God sees. It's that you literally can't hear anything but all of the things in your head telling you what you're not and what you can't and what you won't do, because your insecurities are so loud. And when I think of insecurity, Sarah, bless her heart, she comes to me every single time. And Sarah, she's such a good example because if you know the story of Sarah and Abraham, they had a really hard time having a baby. And that issue with her not being able to get pregnant, let me tell you, she was 89 years old living with an insecurity that she was never going to measure up. She was never going to give to her husband what she felt was her worth and what she owed him in society in that day. And I don't know about you, but her insecurity wasn't loud. By 89 years old, that thing was screaming. She couldn't hear or see above it. Girl was definitely drowning. And, and, and here's the thing. God promised them a son. It wasn't that God didn't see them. It wasn't that God didn't promise them. It was that we get in the way. And, and we find that same issue with it's all on us to make it happen. And that's not ever what he intended. And here's the thing. We have to be careful to let his voice remain the loudest. Even over all the insecurities, all the noises. But Sarah didn't do that. She struggled with that. And what it made me, this week when I was studying, I started thinking, if our insecurities are that loud, then what is the magic potion to turning them down? And here's that question. If my insecurity is that loud, then what am I secure in? If it's not God, if it's not his promises, if it's not his plan, then what is it? And I think so many times for us, it, it could range. You fill in the blank for yourself. But for many times, for us, it could be the approval of another person. 
You, you can't see straight. You can't do anything. You can't hear correctly or up and down all around. You don't even know what's going on because all you can think about is getting the approval and making them proud. It controls you. For some of us, it could be living up to a standard or maybe an expectation of what something should be or what it should look like, keeping up with the Joneses. Let me tell you something, that's exhausting, but it's also loud. For Sarah, it, it was her culture. They, they defined wealth by childbearing. And for her, she was coming up short every single time. And, and let me tell you something, when, when, when insecurities get that loud, it starts getting really scary. But 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it reminds us of this. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, to strengthen those who are fully secure in him. Where is your security this morning? Somebody's trying to tell you you're doing a good job and you're deflecting me. You're telling me all the reasons why you're not. You're telling me all the ways that you already screwed up this morning before church and how it's not even going to be a good week now. And I'm telling you, you're doing a good job and where is your security lying? Is it in God's promises? Is it in his plan? Because I think that we get this all messed up ourselves and we can cause a lot of damage if we're not careful. And that's what happens. That's what we begin to do. And as the story unfolds, Sarah's insecurity gets louder and louder. And it is surely maxed out. She doesn't even remember or, or even consider God's promise at this point. She's like, he's taking too long. Maybe we should go with my plan. And her plan, well, it was detrimental. And as the story goes on, she takes matters into her own hands. And she goes and she tells her husband, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm 89 years old. You're going to go and you're going to be with our maidservant, Hagar. And you're going to get her pregnant with the son that God promised us. Let me tell you something. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to say this because it's a side note. And if I don't say it, I'm going to, have to I'm gonna be thinking about it for the rest of the service. Okay? If I went to Josh, because <laughs> my insecurities were so loud, okay? I'm sorry. When I read the Bible, there is all kinds of stuff going on. And I just need to share that little part of the commentary with you. That's for another time. Maybe we can go there like a marriage conference or something. We'll go there later. But all I know is Abraham missed out on a real big leadership moment here when he complied, okay? Going back to my notes, I'm just trying to say, okay, just putting that out there. But in all seriousness, her insecurity was so loud. Let me tell you something. Damage happened. Friendships were ruined. Nations were divided. That, hey, still affects us today. This is no joke. This stuff is real. It's not a fiction story that I got in, at the library. Insecurity is powerful. And if we don't take control, oh, it'll take control of us for sure. And in the end, there was a lot of damage that could have been avoided if she would have just turned down the volume. I'm not sure if you've seen the pattern yet on our points this morning, but all three of them will start with three very important words. God sees you. And sometimes I think when I say something like, you're doing a good job, some of you cru are crushed because, man, it's been a long time since you've heard that. You don't got anybody cheering in the background for you as you go day and day and day and week and week and week and month after month. You are exhausted. But let me tell you something. There is a heavenly father that sees you. 
He sees you every moment. You are not alone, and you were never meant to walk it alone. But Hagar, she gets pregnant. She did what was required of her. She didn't have a say in that. But all of it happens, and she's hanging out with her friend. She's doing what she's supposed to do. Her and Sarah were besties. Not now. Sarah, the chick who planned the whole shindig, well, now she's miserable. She despises Hagar. She's mistreating her horribly. And Hagar's like, what is going on? I just did what I was told. So she runs. She flees. Sarah actually sends her off. She can't even stand to look at her anymore. And Hagar is found pregnant in a desert by herself. And she's literally weeping and crying out to God, please just take me now, you know? At this point, like, what, what am I even doing with my life? But let me tell you something. What I'm about to say, I want you to take it to heart. God sees her in the desert. And Hagar says in Genesis 16, 13, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And he promises in that moment, Hagar, Brittany version, this is a situation that you couldn't control, but don't you worry, I see you. I haven't forgotten you, and you're going to have a son named Ishmael, and guess what? Your descendants will be too many to count, because I got you. But it wasn't just stopping at Hagar. God's plan is sovereign. And Abraham and Sarah, they have Isaac, just as was planned. A little damage, a little Sarah cray-cray, but, you know, God's plan prevails, because he sees you. And they were known, they're still known in history the mother and father of many. See, insecurities are routes we never had to take. They're routes that we never had to take. Be encouraged. Stay the course. Always make sure that his voice is the loudest. You're doing a good job. For some of us, I don't know. I don't know your story. Y'all, we've got all kinds of stories and seasons and everything in between represented here. For some of you, it may not be the whole problem of, oh, yeah, I know. God sees in me. I know what he has for me. I got that. I'm secure in that. For you, it may not be insecurities getting at you right now. But for others, it, it, maybe you struggle just to stink and be happy where life has placed you these days. And that leads us into point three this morning. God sees you. So sometimes contentment is hard to find. Contentment is hard to find. I love this quote. Before I see what's next, I got to be okay with what is. Before I see what's next, I got to be okay with what is. And I think sometimes when I say to you, you're doing a good job, you might struggle with that because the devil himself wants you to believe that where you are now, what you are doing, you're not making a difference. It's insignificant, it doesn't matter. You're not changing the world. You're not affecting anything. That's a lie from the enemy. And he does this by, by getting us to get our eyeballs and our attention on what everybody else is doing. Their season, their position, who they're with, where they live, what they have, what they're doing at their job. Oh, this ministry over here. Oh, she got a book published. Oh, and you spend your time running around in circles not content with anything that you have because your eyes are everywhere else. 
That's what he loves. But let me tell you something. As many stories and seasons that we have in here, don't you downplay it. Don't downplay the role and the season that you are in. Right now, if you have littles at home, oh, you better take this time and pour into them while they're in your roof. Don't you waste this season. Maybe for you, you don't have littles. You found yourself as a caregiver to somebody. Somebody's entrusted you in this season. Maybe for you, you're surrounded by coworkers, nurses, doctors, teachers, business people, lawyers, subcontractors, I don't know, you name it, fill in the blank, who need a word of hope. They need a smile. They need a word of encouragement. And you're in this season right now. God has put you there. Don't waste the season that you're in and don't downplay it. Maybe for others, some of you are in a season of waiting. You're in a season of waiting to know what is God calling me onto? What's coming next? Lean into him. I wanna encourage you, don't waste this season. You know, as I was studying, I began to realize God is moving and he sees us even when we feel like we're, we are doing insignificant things like laundry, like paying the bills, grocery shopping. Oh, I'm not, I'm not making a difference for anybody. Let me, let me just encourage you for a second. Gideon was thrashing wheat when the angel of the Lord came to him. Moses and David, you know what they were doing? They were tending their sheep in the fields. Elisha, he was plowing oxen on his parents' farm. The disciples, many of them, they were fishermen. They were cleaning their nets, probably smelled like who knows what. Don't you downplay this season that you're in and think God doesn't see you and that he's not gonna encourage you and call out the best in you. That's when he called all of these people to the promises that he had for them. Don't you count this season as insignificant. You've gotta be present right here and right now. You know why? Because this is when he's equipping you for what's coming next. This is when he's stretching you. This is when he's developing you. Turn the volume down. See what he sees. Rest in his promises and be content. Be content with where he has you. And to do this, we can't play Satan's games. We gotta keep our eyes on our road. He's giving you your race. He didn't give you Julie's race. He didn't give you Steve's race. It don't matter. He gave you your race. And ladies, I don't know if, you, if you're gonna, well, you're gonna know it in a second when we play highlights, but sisterhood is coming. And we're gonna talk about this that night a little bit more. But a couple of weeks ago, we got a chance, Josh and I and some friends, just to get away and have some rest and vacation time. And there was a time that, well, a couple of days, different days, we were driving through national parks, just looking at nature, wildlife was showing off. But there were a few times where Josh was our, he was the driver, okay? You always want Josh to drive, always. There's a few times where I felt that car going a little, little left, or a little right, a little too much on the cliffs and the bridges and things. I'm not trying to fall off the mountain, you know. Baby, baby, eye on the road, baby. Oh, there's a moose. Okay, I know, but eye on the road. There was even a couple of times where we, where we all offered, Josh, do you want us to drive so you can, so you can see everything? It's not fair. We, you need to have a chance to take it all in too. But it got me thinking, how much harm we put on ourselves if our eyes are never on our road 
And even more than that, how much damage can we do to those in our car? How much damage can we do to those in our circle, in our home, around the dinner table, in the teacher's lounge? How much damage can we do if we don't keep our eyes on our road to them? See, we gotta, we gotta bloom where God has planted us today. We gotta keep our eyes on our road today. My question for you, who's in your car right now that's counting on you to bloom in this season that you're in? Hebrews, oh, I love this. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It's your race. It's time for you to bloom there. If you're not blooming there, who will? They're all blooming in their seasons and in their races. You're called to yours. Psalms 23, one, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, nothing. He doesn't say, well, you lack this, but you'll get that later. No, I lack nothing my eyes are fixed on Jesus and this is my road and this is my story and he's writing it for me you've got to believe in that you're doing a good job you know what there's a reason why he's got you in this season there's a reason why you're in this season don't you pick that fruit before it's good and ready because if you do You'll miss out on what he's showing you here, what he's equipping you here. He's equipping you for what's coming, but you gotta wait and you've gotta be content. You've gotta be content. See, as we close today, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can all probably fall a little bit into each category. Maybe we don't see in ourselves or believe in ourselves what God sees in us. Maybe insecurities have haunted us for a long time. Maybe we have been wishing for a different season. We have been not realizing that God has placed us here on purpose to be content right now. And maybe it's not today, maybe for you it was in the past and it kind of ping pongs or comes back and forth. But I think for many of us, if we're honest, something has resonated. You know what I always come back to? There's always this thing called grace. There's always this thing called grace. And I think us as parents especially, Lord, thank you for the grace, right? But for all of us, we've been promised this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Did you catch that? His strength our weakness. Do you see how, how it goes together? I am what you're not. I've called you. I go with you. His plan was that we would never be apart from him. He wants to walk this journey called life for us. That's always been his plan. I found this while I was studying. It says, encouragement, it's a blanket of grace that God uses for those around us. It's the favor of God 
and love in action. You know why? Because we need it. We need to give it. We need to receive it. And y'all, we gotta believe it. We gotta believe it. Encouragement is like that nudge of grace that somebody gives us to say, oh Lord, thank you Lord, tomorrow is a new day. We can do it. We can do it. But here's what I know. We won't believe that God's grace is sufficient until we realize that we're insufficient without Him. If you think you're gonna do it on your own and it's your plan and your way and your strength, you go, you do it. Because His grace will never be enough if you don't realize that you're insufficient without Him. That encouragement from somebody, that credit that they give you, they see your hard work, it will never quench it if it's all about you. It's the grace that we need to turn the volume down on our insecurities. It's the grace that we need to say, God, I know I can't do it on my own. Show me what you see in me. It's the grace that we need to be content and to wait in the season that we're in. And all over this place, can I just ask you for a second? Can you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute as we have a time together? If you're at home, will you just close your eyes right where you are? See, he never intended for us to live life apart from him. Today you may have realized, man, I am my worst critic. Everything is not supposed to be riding on your shoulders. There's a savior. He wants to come alongside and carry the load with you. And I think that there are people in this room, maybe you've never made a decision to walk with Christ before. This whole idea of letting somebody carry the load, that's new to you. Maybe you've done the church thing or you know about God, but you've never said, I am a follower of Christ. He sent his son because he loved the world so much so we didn't have to do it on our own. And I think there's some of us in the room maybe watching at home. Maybe you knew Jesus. Maybe you've made that decision before and you remember years back, but you've gotten away. And if you're honest, you know it's time to come back home. You're exhausted. That's never the plan that he had for you. Now, if that's you, God's tugging at your heart. Maybe your heart's racing right now. Maybe you feel different. Maybe you're emotional. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's him working. That's him doing something in you that I cannot. That's between you and him. And if he is speaking to you and that's you today and you're ready to make a decision that you would walk with him, can you just lift your hand in this room? Nobody's looking. No one's looking. Thank you. I want to be a follower of Christ. I can't do this on my own. If you're online, put it in the chat. We want to partner with you. Can we all over the room today just repeat after me? Jesus, I need you. Come into my life today. I can't do this thing on my own. Be my Savior. Please be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.